0: Prince guarding Donovan into the teeth of defense. Wow, left hand drive, jab left, big step right to the rack, lay it up and in. Bogdanovich right corner, three over, downs is good.
1: Clarkson walks into a three hits and the Jazz are back up by 13, just like that. And we've got
0: a chance, 55 seconds left for our 103 of the game. There There it is, it's good. Jared Butler makes the 103 in this game.
2: The Utah Jazz, the Minnesota Timberwolves, it was close for a half, and then the Jazz blew the Wolves out. Ended up with 101 three-pointers in the game. More importantly, the Jazz ended up with 136 points, 136-104 PK from halftime to the middle of the fourth quarter. That was a clinic. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're rolling offensively is what we thought they would be able to do, and this is what they're doing. Jazz become the first NBA team to make 20 or more three-pointers in three straight games. Donovan Mitchell leads the way with 36 points. Rudy Gobert got in foul trouble, and that was not a big issue for the Jazz. Small ball lineup had a problem for a minute, but then they fixed it, and the Jazz just kept rolling. Win the third quarter by 13 points, the fourth quarter by 18 points, and just pull away and have all the subs in there for the last four minutes. Couldn't be better. Jazz are back at it tonight in Philadelphia. And some of these guys will be pretty fresh. Conley only played 24 minutes. See if they let him go back-to-back. A lot of times he doesn't, so we'll see if that happens. Philly is also going back-to-back. They beat Charlotte 110-106 on the road. Tip-off tonight, 5 o'clock, pregame at 4 o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hashtag NBA.
2: Golden State Warriors keep it rolling. They beat the Portland Trailblazers 104-94. The Warriors with the best record in the NBA. They're going back and forth with the Suns. Right now they're half game up on the Suns after that win. Steph Curry made six pointers in the win, so he needs nine to get Ray Allen's all-time record. Just a matter of time before that thing falls. Most made three pointers in an NBA career. The Rockets beat the Nets 114 to 104. Brooklyn, the best in the East, falling to the Rockets, who have now won seven straight games. After a 1 in 16 start, it's a remarkable turnaround, PK. (laughs) You mean sarcastic? A little bit. Okay. But I mean, it is remarkable. I mean, they shouldn't have been 1 in 16 in the first place. But seven straight and a win over the Nets, that's good. Luka Doncic went for twenty six. The Mavericks beat the Grizzlies 104-96. Dylan Brooks got hot after the game, screaming at the refs. Hot in the post game. Best to get hot during the game. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, thirty nine points, eleven rebounds, eleven assists—a massive game for him. The Nuggets, who'd really been struggling, beat New Orleans one twenty to one fourteen. And the Cavs. Who gave the Jazz a really good game. Picked up another win. They beat the Chicago Bulls. Blew them out,
0: 115-92. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball.
2: 24th ranked BYU improves to 8-1 on the year. They open up a 20-point lead over Utah State. The Aggies rallied, got to single digits, but no closer. And BYU ends up winning 82-71. Alex Barcelo leads the way with 17 points in that one. Justin Bean had 20 and 7 for the Aggies, but not enough. The uh, BYU got a roll in there in the first half and opened up a pretty good lead.
1: Yeah, the Aggies struggled shooting, couldn't even make free throws. And Barcelo is going to set the record like a, uh, as a transfer student, seven years for BYU. He played for two years for the U of A.
3: Yep.
1: Six years in high school. Probably. <laughs> I feel like he's
2: been around forever. He's a good player. TCU beat Utah 76-62. Ute shot 29% from the floor in that loss. Utes fall to six and three on the year. Weber State went to Washington State and got crushed 94 to 60. Washington State up double digits at halftime. 11-point lead, and then they just blew that thing wide open in the second half, and they win by 34. That's the Wildcats' first loss of the year. You lied to me. You said that was on the Pac-12 network. Ah, I was on a Pac-12 Washington uh, only, the way they divvied up regional regionally. networks. Yeah, that sucked. SUU won the in-state game, beating UVU 60-56. Thunderbirds have won five in a row, just lost number two for UVU. They're 7-2.
0: SUU improves to 6-3. and three. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
2: Thursday night football, Steelers and Vikings. The Steelers hanging around the edge of the wild card race on the outside looking in right now, but only a half game out. Steelers 6-5 at that one tie with Detroit. And the Minnesota Vikings 5-7, which in the NFC doesn't leave you that far away from the wild card either. Packers are going to play the Bears this weekend. They've got a Sunday night game. And Aaron Rodgers saying he does not regret telling Bears fans, I still own you after the TD run in the first first matchup this year.
0: I don't regret it at all.
2: DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college football.
2: As expected, wide receiver Drake London, USC star, announced he'll skip his senior season. He's going to the NFL draft. Broke his ankle in the Trojans' eighth game, but he'll rehab that and get ready for the NFL. Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott is the reportedly the top candidate to become the new head coach at Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall stepping down. He's been calling plays for them for seven years and a whole lot of playoff games. Two national titles national titles Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said Wednesday there have been preliminary discussions with the NCAA's Football Oversight Committee and in coaching circles about possibly changing the early signing period for recruiting December December become the big date it's hurrying up coaching fires and hires and distracting from the season and in the end I don't know how much it
1: matters because of the fact that the uh, players can transfer anyway so there is something that uh, is in their favor. But asking these kids
2: in these schools to make commitments on two weeks. Not ideal. Far less than that, actually. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Bill Clark, UAB football coach, is going to join us at 7.15. Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for at and Sports. then he'll be here at 8 o'clock as the Jazz keep winning. And Dr. Chris Hill, the former University of Utah Athletic Director, is going to join us in studio at 8.30. He'll be here for about an hour. The 30-year arc that gets Utah out of the middle or bottom of the whack. Into the Mountain West, into the Fiesta and Sugar Bowls, into the Pac-12, and now to the Rose Bowl. We'll talk with him about that coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.
0: This is unright. guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about
2: where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes.
0: That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports. Sports.com. DJ and
2: PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Bill Clark, football coach at UAB, Alabama, Birmingham. They are getting ready to face BYU in the Independence Bowl. He joins us right now in the Smart Rain Guest Line, Smart Rain State-of-the-Art. Smart Irrigation Controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Coach, good morning
3: morning how are you guys
2: doing well and it seems like the Blazers doing pretty well too eight and four a uh, second place finish in your division what got you to eight wins what is the core of this team that accounted for the success
3: yeah you know we had a lot of our guys that um, had been with us for a while end up I guess with COVID probably like a lot of folks we ended up getting that extra year um, with kind of our core group uh, of seniors back, and just a really good group, you know, they've had, you know, pretty good bit of success, and and um, you know, we had a really tough schedule this year, but you know, thought they did a good job of leading us.
1: Well, as I look at your stats, coach, uh, you guys are awesome against the run. Your run defense is uh, what uh, I think it's a top five or something like that. Uh, I think top top twelve is what it was. I got I wrote it down and 15th ranked defense so could you tell us I mean there's guys that I can go down and look at uh, Turner up front uh, and right and in the back at cash just tell us about your defense and what has made it so effective this season
3: you know I think for all of us uh, you know defense is an ever-evolving uh, situation with kind of what's going on offensively and you know we say especially what's trended in, in in this football in general, offensively, you know, with tempo and spread and all the different things you have to defend. You know, I think for us that's kind of been a hallmark, you know, since we brought the program, I've kind of got a defensive background. So we always say we're going to build it with with playing, you know, trying to play great defense. Um, but, you know, I think this group – Uh, You know, it's it's kind of year to year as you go, and we've had some injuries this year. Probably like a lot of folks, I know BYU's going through the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, But for the most part, feel like they've done a good job. And then, you know, against the run, we've been pretty good this year, no doubt.
2: You've also got a running back who can really, really run the ball, Uh, Dwayne McBride, almost twelve hundred yards, and he got hurt and only got seven carries in the last game. He only needed twelve more yards, so I assume he would have gotten that. What makes him so good?
3: Yeah, you know, he's, you know, like like all good running backs, got really good vision, but he's really strong, really powerful. Um, You know, really good on yards after contact. Uh, Explosive. Um, You know, he's just really done good. I I think he had, what, 99 yards in the first quarter before he got hurt. I hate that for him. I think he would have probably broke through. or or led the conference, you know, I think he ended up leading the conference anyway, but, you know, I think just, he would have, that would have been a great game to see him if he got to play three more quarters, but he's really had a good year for us.
1: You've outscored opponents in the first half, some like 209 to 148. Any particular reason that you seem to get off to great starts?
3: You know, I think, you know, for us, you know, and and once again, I don't know what, what creates great starts, what creates, fast starts we talk about it you know but i think sometimes it's i think we lost about six out of the last seven, seven coin tosses and you know everybody's been deferring a lot and um you know i think that's kind of been the thing for all of us i was always a guy that deferred uh so our offense has kind of gotten the ball first and, and done well you know but you know i think all of us are, are scared to say that because it's like okay you know we don't want we don't want to say we started fast and you know um because you're you worried about the next game, but the offense has done a good job of of coming out the gate fast.
2: Bill Clark, joining us, football coach at UAB. So your team goes eight and four, and lose to Georgia early and UTSA late. And we understand those are really good teams that had great seasons. Uh, the Liberty and Miss and Rice losses were a little bit of a mystery to me when I was reading up on Rice. Turns out that. For whatever reason, matchups—I don't know what it is—they've—they've uh, they've beaten you several times the last few years. Can you explain what happened in those two years? Because you, you handled a lot of teams, and I can't figure out what went wrong there.
3: Well, two things: Rice has not beaten us. This is the first time they've beaten us since I've been here. So, um, Rice—I mean, give them credit—they had a quarterback that's been out. He came back. We were on an eight-game. I don't make any excuse, but we were on an eight-game. Um, without an open date, and we were banged up. And, hey, they came in and played us good. We scored to win the game. There was 11 seconds left. I feel like we were have won. that got a holding call on it. Just we give them credit. Liberty, you know, was a good team. You know, we just did three, three at half, and they came out second half and played well. For but, um, you know, but Rice, no, that was the first time we'd lost to them since I've been here.
1: Well, UTSA, we already said, is a good team. I think I might have known why you lost. I mean, you outgained them by 100 yards, and they scored right at the end. You held them to 65 yards rushing. Harris, their quarterback, did throw for three twenty-three. But the number that jumped out at me for you guys in the negative was 13 penalties for 124 yards. Uh, I'm guessing that had to get under your skin. Has that been a problem this year or
3: no? Yeah, I mean, I think penalties are always something that we all look at. so um uh... I think the last few games were probably, you know, Marshall, we were, we were good there. El Paso, we were better. But no, the UTSA game was a problem.
2: So when you look at BYU and you look at the matchups there, what is the number one thing that, conf- that worries you about the way your team matches up with them?
3: Oh, gosh. I mean, you could go through the list. I mean, you know, start with their offense. They've got weapons all over the field. Um, yeah, I think they're really good at receiver. They got tight ends that can catch the ball. Um, they're very well coached. They're big up front. Great. Running back's great, but there's there's multiple. Of them. The quarterback can run and throw. Um, they're very diverse. They take shots. I mean, so we we could talk all day about offensively and then defensively, same thing. And I know the head coach's background, Coach Taki. You know, when you got a head coach that's got a defensive background, they're always going to be good defensively. Very multiple. Um, which, again, big up front, history of you know you know you talk about BYU, you talk about a history of winning, you know, so they expect to win. Uh, really good in the special teams, so you know it's just a obviously it's just a really really good team. They've done a great job.
1: You speak of tight ends, your tight end uh, Prince leads the nation in uh, yards per, per reception at twenty yards each of us thirty two receptions and uh eight touchdowns he a big play for big play guy for you i would assume
3: yeah prince has really had a great year um just kind of the guy we always thought he could be he was that high up at receiver uh had been a receiver in junior college and we moved him to tidying and the whole time we know he's a mismatch uh because he runs so well and he'll have a chance to keep playing past us you know but He's done a he's done a heck of a job, you know, and we've done a good job offensively finding creative ways to get him the ball.
2: Dylan Hopkins, your quarterback, you talked about a lot of seniors back, but uh, he is a he is a junior, and the attempts two hundred and twelve attempts over the course of a season seems a little on the low end. Really, kind of picking your spots there in the passing game.
3: Yeah, that's kind of been our deal. You know, we've always been able to run the ball, and uh, and then take our throws when we when we want to and when they fit. He's really come on, and uh, we had a long-time starter in Tyler Johnston, uh, who had gone through some injuries and dealing guys' opportunities. Really, he's done well, and he's getting better every week.
1: As I look at your schedule this year, you're due to win because you've had three two-game winning streaks. So you lost to San Antonio, but then you beat El Paso, and that was your last game. So the bowl game, you are shooting for four two-game winning streaks. I mean, that's kind of an oddity, but it also tells me your team is able to get past losses and move on?
3: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. I think that's one of the things as coaches, the hardest thing as a coach is to – is to get them up the you know the week after loss. I mean, and, and especially about last week, that was such a big deal for us losing that UTSA game because it was for the championship. Really, you know, to get us in the championship game, really. we would still have to beat El Paso. But, um, yeah, and then to come back and play a good El Paso team and and find a way to win and all the things you go through for a season. You know, I don't I don't know, but you know how streaks go. But you know, as far as you know, coming back after a loss, that's that is something I'm proud of.
2: Obviously, UAB has the unique situation where the program was shut down and then brought back, and that was big enough news. We heard about it on this side of the country, and I'm curious, as the coach, and there's so many details that go into it, are there long-term ramifications to that? Are you past that? Where does that stand?
3: Yeah, I think we are past it now. I do think that, you know, you just start talking about the history of college football, I mean, how many times has that ever happened, and then to bring it right back, but you know what happened? The, the community fought and said, "No, this program is important." And uh, you know, we've went out and raised probably about sixty million for facilities and all the things that were needed, and built you know, built a new facility here. And then our community came together, and we bought a we built a city stadium uh, downtown that's state of the art. There was a combination of the city and the county and, and UAB coming together and building this state of the art stadium that we just opened up this year. Uh, you know, about midway through the year, we got in there, so that's a huge deal for us. And, you know, we feel like the you know the future is very bright. You know, obviously Birmingham loves football, and you know we're the economic center of the state. We got the great university that's a medical school, um, so you know we got a great university. And now we've got the commitment, and obviously we're, you know we're taking a step going to the American Conference. Um, you know, we'll play one more year, but we're you know in a year we'll be in the American Conference. So all you know everything's trended in the right direction.
2: Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to the game.
3: Okay, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Bill Clark, UAB football coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah? Feel pretty good about BYU's chances after listening to him? No. (laughs) No? I don't even know if they're going to have their coach. Okay, well, that's a wild card, and if that happens, then we can reassess. You asked me the question. I gave you the answer.
1: I don't know if they're going to have the coach. I mean, John Canzano reported. If John Canzano reports it, I mean, come on. He's got his finger on the pulse of the state of Oregon. He's right there with the hammer. I mean, once these guys report it, then it becomes big news. I reported. man, not much. (laughs) We need a national guy to confirm. (laughs) And if you don't put it on, and I'm and I'm now uh, rejecting putting it on Twitter just out of spite.
2: <laughs> You've drawn a line in the sand, and this is it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he reported that
2: they were gonna. They've uh,
1: made contact, and I didn't see that coming. I, 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 that was a shocker. Pretty today. sure you did. <laughs> so, it, it, it's funny the 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 hierarchy, man. If you if you have any form of print. You rank much higher. Radio has to be the lowest. I mean, when we go to the stadiums, you could sit by the seating chart. I am beyond the dot-com fan people. I mean, the, the person next to me at Allegiant Stadium had on a Utah shirt and a Utah hat. And I sit left of them.
2: Could you not take up all that space at the 15-yard line, sir? Could you Move, move down? aside. You move down to the 7 or 8. So they view radio as like the
1: lowest form of medium. It's just, and I have a fair amount of credentials, not much. We gotta get you back on back with the paper apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first year down at the Mountain West tournament, uh, basketball. I didn't even have a seat. And I look at it, the Green Valley Tri Monthly had a seat. <laughs> and 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 Javen, the guy that I'd known for years, Javen, is there something wrong here? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I mean, we still write. I mean, I write for KSL. It's just, it's by far nothing against the watchdog, but the, it's by far the leading uh, website in the state. Uh, and yeah, well put that on your on your request instead of radio. But it doesn't work that way. You can't. And I didn't fill out the credential anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it, yeah, I mean, certainly we've known about it, and I don't. But I don't. Ha- I have nothing new to report. I what 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 I don't like to do is. The people who give you information, I don't badger them. So I'm not hitting them up three, four times a day because then they get irritated. What about now? How about now? Yeah, right, right. right How about right, now? Right. So there's really, from from my perspective, there's nothing left to report right now. Uh, you know, in a day or two, that's another story. We got to let it settle. I don't know that he's going to get the job. I don't know that he's been offered the job. I know he wants the money that goes along with the job. Who wouldn't? And I know BYU is going to do what they can. Uh, Within the uh, BYU so-called reason, you know, whatever that within reason is Uh, so that it changes. So it's hard to nail down. Yeah, um, they're going to do what they believe is right. Whether I think it's right, I don't know, because I don't know that I'll know the full extent of what they think is right. They like to be buttoned down, but there's people out there who will talk people out there who trust you. You know, the expansion stuff that was I had. Well, I don't want to go into it. I don't want to give up anybody, but, uh, you know, information was available. So we'll see what happens. But that's a big deal for the Cougars. I mean, and I guess there's some guys that uh, players who've gone on Twitter, you, you folks live on Twitter a lot more than I do, uh, that said uh, we're going to go where Kalani goes or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah,
2: the transfer from Oregon, Kingsley, Sue, and said something like that. Mason Wake, who joins Jake and Ben, has been joining them weekly all season long, said make sure you take care of this man. So oh, of no- course players speaking out for him. Yeah, well,
1: if you're winning and you're playing, you're going to love the guy. If you're losing or you're not playing and or you're not playing, well, that's another story. But if you're winning and you're getting your time, whatever position you are, uh, then you're in love with him. And who wouldn't be in love with this guy? This guy's a very lovable guy, and he'll love you back. You know, I I don't know what the scale would be, but uh, he'd have to rank right at the top of of coaches who love their players, and it's a cliche and all that stuff. But, you know, with him, there's a degree of truth there for sure. So they've got to figure – he's got to figure it out. And If he even gets offered, I don't know that he's going to get offered. I can't say that. I I certainly cannot report that whatsoever, nor am I willing to at
2: this time. There are other names that have been out there. Will he be the first, second, or third choice? Will the first choice take it? Would it fall to him if he were second? I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. Well, it would fall to him if the first choice didn't take if it. If he's he were second, second. <laughs> maybe he'll be first, and
1: it'll fall to somebody else. And, uh, I don't knows? know. I yeah. don't know all those uh, complexities, <clears throat> but I know maybe John Canzano does. I it wouldn't surprise me if he does. He will. If he doesn't now, I think you have to let the process play a little bit. You know, it's the the word became official on Monday, and if there's no 100% obvious candidate. Well, then you got to take your time because the coordinators of, you know, they're new. They've left Uh, the offensive coordinator left the uh, coordinator last year, uh, went down to Vegas and the other coordinator from the year before went to Boise. So it's not like, you know, with uh, when Urban Meyer left and and Chris Hill will have in studio here in an hour. I mean, Kyle Whittingham had been there many years, a decade or so, maybe even longer. I'd have to go back and, and I think it was right around 10 years. And so it was obvious, you know, he was a a leading candidate, if not the leading candidate. It doesn't mean Chris Hill didn't talk to other people. Uh, So for Oregon, there's these coordinators don't jump out at you and make it obvious. Notre Dame, they they went actually with one guy for one year. You know, their coordinator had only been there for one year.
2: 35 years old, man. So bold. I hope he succeeds big time. But in-house, they thought it was obvious. And you can see where that would be an issue at Oregon. It could have been an issue at Notre Dame. It just happened with that guy. They thought it was obvious. Yeah, similar situation.
1: Bold move. It's a 35-year-old, and he had himself admitted, I never expected this, but now he's got this opportunity, this massive opportunity. Who's to say? Who's to say he doesn't kill it? I don't know. You never, you never really know until they, they get in that position. I, I wish him very well. I've grown up as uh Notre Dame fan but my definition of fan is much different than most folks definition of fan in my household we certainly followed Notre Dame I don't I don't live and die by Notre Dame's results that's the difference with me but I'm certainly a fan of their program for sure and it was very much a thrill to take my parents back there and I took them literally I I forked uh, over the whole thing and plus the watchdog with the uh, hotel and rent-a-car led the legendary stories with my mother in the Cougar Club eating breakfast That I told at her funeral.
2: And after the game, it was pretty good, too. Though. Oh, after the game, After yeah. the game, holding Court, just sit over here, be quiet, watch the game. Come back a few minutes later, <laughs> the party is on, yep. stories are being told, people are being regaled. Oh, yeah, we just needed a fire going. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they didn't play with fire in the press box. Save that for Georgia Tech.
1: <laughs> they were not quiet. They did, they, they, they did not follow instructions to what I had asked them to do, but they had a whale of a time. They talked about it right to the end of their lives, too, so I'm so glad it happened. As my father obviously grew up uh, Irish Catholic a longtime Notre Dame fan as so many of them are and that was way cool uh, But that's somebody who got a got a bold opportunity uh, in Oregon uh, in it, We had on Lincoln Kennedy and I asked him about uh, USC do they have to they have to go sexy and he said absolutely and they did You know big time sexy with Lincoln Riley. Does Oregon really need sexy? Um, I don't think they do to an extent. They need somebody who's going to be there because they've gone through a bunch of coaches here in a relatively short span of time. And I think that's the that is extremely important. You've got to get somebody who can win, of course, but you've got to get somebody who's going to invest in the community. Four in a decade is a lot of coaches. Yeah, because this is a premier program with just untold amounts of, if not limitless, resources. But yet, it's been a stepping stone. Now, Helfrich was fired, uh, but the uh, the last two have bounced, and even Kelly, you know, Kelly took off. Did he take off ahead of the posse? Yes. Uh, I guess you could say that, uh, you know. But did Pete Carroll take off of that? Yeah, I, I don't really get into the cheating because I think it's a freeway full of speeders. <laughs> <laughs> Which car gets pulled over. Yeah. I, I really believe that from all the stuff that I've been exposed to. Now, I come at life from a cynical point of view, but also, too, it's not baseless. I mean, guys have told me so much stuff over the years that you just you roll your eyes now. It's like, of course, guys who are held up as being the utmost clean. No. But then there are other guys that they don't even look at it. They, they're friends of them. Yeah, yeah, I know they cheat, but what is cheating? And that's what it's become down to. So I don't look at Kelly and Carroll thinking, oh, my gosh. Those guys were," you know, they did what they did. So be it. And they're trying to win. So that's sort of the way I look at it. But I think it's important for Oregon to get somebody. And I think Kalani would be there for a good while. The only way I could see him leaving is if the Ute job opened up, which it will. Uh, and would he want to come home there? But, you know, if you sign somebody, you know, whoever you sign, you can't guarantee that he's going to be there 15
2: years because you're not willing to give him a 15-year contract in the first place. But they haven't had anybody stay five years. They've had a bunch of guys either leave after four or, in the case of Helfrich, get fired after four. Yeah, and that's interesting for a program of that stature. Four in a decade, five and 15 years. That is a lot of coaches. Yeah,
1: So it'll be very very interesting to see what they do and which direction they go. But back to BYU playing in this game, certainly I expect them to win. Uh, But I don't scoff at UAB. I mean, we tend to look at these programs, okay, you're down here and the other program's up there, so that program's going to win. I get a certain logic on that. But you also can look at you know they're down there, and and Birmingham's just down the road, up the up the road from Tuscaloosa. So much talent in that area that I don't. I just don't disrespect somebody just because they're from a lower conference. And I don't. I don't buy that at all. That may end up being that way, but if BYU beats them, it's going to be because they're better than them, not simply because oh they're from a lower conference. It's not like an Idaho State situation. You know,
2: that's another. That's an entirely different ball game. Well, in a lot of these conferences, there's a big gap from the top to the bottom of the conference. I mean, the Mountain West made a lot of hay out of what they did against the Pac-12 this year, but the whole Mountain West didn't do it. San Diego State got two of those wins. Fresno beat UCLA and got one of those wins. So, UAB is near the top of their league.
1: Yeah, and they basically shot themselves in the foot against San Antonio. Or 13 penalties. And San Antonio scored literally right at the end.
2: So, And you look at their defense. Their defense has eye-popping numbers. If you play Georgia, you're going to lose a game. And they got two other games that went right to the bitter end that they lost.
1: Yeah. I still expect the Cougars to win. But I
2: think it's a major blow if they have an interim coach. Especially depending on how many of the assistants are gone. I mean, we've seen situations where teams have been missing one or two coaches. We've seen situations where teams are missing five or six coaches. Yeah, I think because it's so early, though, they would still be there.
1: It's next week. You know, it's, what, nine days away? So I think that's a little different in this situation. You know, that's I think that's part of the re- reason with Bronco coaching in the Vegas Bowl, the old Vegas Bowl at Sammy Boyd, because it was done early. So if these guys decide in the next uh, three days or so, I think it'll be wrapped up fairly quickly if it should happen. That at that point, uh, you know, you you're you're in a game week. You can ride it out another week, I would think, uh, as far as that goes. But that that's unsettling either way. So, and I still expect BYU to win, and they're going to go uh, what eleven and two? What
2: did they go? Were they eleven and one last year? Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's. So what's that? Uh, Twenty-two and three. Winning 88% of your games. Yeah, that's that really awesome. a sweet run. And I think if he goes, people will just say,
1: man, that sucks for BYU, but congratulations to you. And then they go through the search again. You know, and we'll identify two or three candidates and, and one of them will get the job. Uh, and, that, and that'll be it.
2: But I think that the Oregon numbers will come out at some point. Oh, it's a public university, right. has to. So They're available. If, if the numbers are massive, people will shrug and go, "Well, there goes Nike."
1: Yeah, but even if somebody gets a million dollar raise, are you going to say, "Don't take a million dollar raise"? I then, certainly no. Am not. <laughs> no, because there's much more than that. It's much more than his simple, not simple, but simply his paycheck. Paycheck that, for all the, the assistance. The, What's the, the, the,
2: the complete funding of the program. <clears throat> What's the recruiting budget like? Obviously, their facilities are off the charts, and they continue to build and build and build. Yeah, and a lot of it is
1: transportation for recruiting. You know, do you have to drive up to Portland and go through security and, and sit there, and then and you're in the winter, and this flight and that flight is canceled, and this and that, and especially these days, you know? As opposed to
2: getting on a private jet. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a big, big difference. That can make a massive difference in quality of life, which is important, because these guys, there really is, there's a there's a season in which you play games, and then there's a season in which you don't play games, but it's not the off-season. At all. No. It's just a a couple of weeks here and there. You know, that was the whole intramural rant by Dan Hawkins. You know, it is a big-time commitment, time commitment for these folks. And they're gone a lot. I had one coach tell me spring recruiting, he said, I can't tell you how much it eats at my heart to know I'm in -in fill-in-the-blank city when my 10-year-old is up to bat. Or going to kick a soccer ball, whatever the instance might be.
2: Whatever the event, activity,
1: yeah. team. Or, you know, recital. Yeah. Uh, band concert, whatever, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be sports. But they're doing their thing. Yeah. And you're not there. And you know, by that time, you understand in your life that those times are never coming back. Uh, now, I don't want to make these guys martyrs. They sign up for it. Go be a BYU entrepreneur, and then you can go do whatever you want. Or the best form of money, I believe, is through inheritance, which you didn't even have to work for. You know how much inheritance I got from my parents when they passed?
2: Uh, They left debt. I was going to go under zero. Uh, They might have left debt,
1: but my sister handled that. Then zero. Zero (laughs) point (laughs) zero zero dollars. Thanks for carrying it out behind the decimal (laughs) points. (laughs) But, nevertheless, I'm, in a, I'm extremely for, fortunate. I am in a great, great position. Uh, my finances are in order. I knock on wood 1,000 times over to the point I'd have bloody knuckles. <laughs> so I've got zero complaints. I need to highlight that. But inheritance is always beautiful. But these guys, I mean, they, they grind, man. These assistants, even the head coaches, the head coaches, are they're lucrative. I mean, they get massive amounts of money and massive amounts of perks. Uh, so good on them, but they also grind too. But the assistants, I mean, they grind big time. So if any of these dudes have an opportunity to get more money, all of us need to just say congratulations. I don't want it to happen. I want Kalani's assistants to stay here. I want them to be BYU lifers if they so choose. Uh, but I that might not be the reality. And obviously it's not going to be a reality. What do they got? 10, 11 coaches and plus staff guys. I mean, you get to know guys over the years and you end up liking them and they treat you well and you want to see them succeed. that That's just the nature of this business. If you've been in a market long enough like you and I have, you end up liking these. Guys. You get to know them a little bit and and you want them to succeed, man. And it bothers you if you don't. But at the same time, if they should go. You feel happy for them, but I have to admit I feel sad for the BYU's fan base because they've waited a long time to be in this position.
2: And now they're here.
1: Yeah. And, things and are Oregon up. comes
2: calling. Yeah. But it's life in college football. If you win a lot, someone will come calling. If it's life for, if it's life for Oklahoma, if it's life for Notre Dame, how is it not going to be life for Utah, BYU, and Utah State. Well if you if you get a Kyle yeah, yeah, and he right. decides to say no to Tennessee, you just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it's Notre Dame and Oklahoma, and they just got their coaches poached.
1: Sure, but Utah is paying this man comparatively well in the conference. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect the Cougars to play Sutaki at the top of the Big Twelve. See, that's a that's sort of a it's an accountability transition because now we've got measurables and these are Baylor isn't and and TCU isn't but the other ones are public institutions mm-hmm. so all that money is available yeah. And, and so now we've been yeah, yeah, right.
2: Now we say, if what you want yeah. What does State pay? What does K-State pay? What does Oklahoma State pay? Right. And it's right there in black yeah. and white. What are Cincinnati and UCF
1: paying? That's what's way cool about this, is that this is, now BYU is going to be held accountable. The days of Lavelle being on the bottom
2: and succeeding, goodbye. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But the problem is, even if they get to the middle of the league or near the top of the league, if you're winning in the Big 12 in Provo, Utah, the rest of college football is going to think, man, the people in Florida and Texas have huge advantages. How's this guy pulling this off? Sure. And they're going to keep coming, and they're going to double down, and nothing about this is slowing down. I mean, the bidding wars are just getting crazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, But but see, that's the position you want to be in, though. Yeah, it means you're winning. It's the old Chris Hill line.
1: It probably means you're winning big. I I want my coaches to be sought after. And he said it at a time they were in the Mountain West. Now it's a different time. And I, I will go to my grave saying, you have everything you need to be successful at the highest levels at the University of Utah. And as we transition into the Big 12... I think in about two or three years, I'm going to be able to say the same thing about BYU that I have been saying the last several at Utah, because I really, really believe that. That's why I've been preaching to these kids, hey, look up the street, man. You don't need to go chasing gold. you got gold right here in your backyard.
2: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz. Studio analyst is going to join us. Coming up in 20 minutes, how hot are the Jazz? Question of the day. We will get to that next. Stay with us.
0: This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. John Wilner from the Mercury News and the Pac-12 Hotline. What are your thoughts on a Utah Ohio State matchup? A lot of people think Ohio State is going to not have a huge sense of urgency because you know it's playoff or bust for them. But I happen to think Ohio State is going to bring their A game and. It will be interesting. I mean, it's a different level of talent and athleticism than Utah's used to see. And even compared to Oregon, right? And I know Oregon won the head-to-head, but, you know, Ohio State's a way better team now than it was then. Utah will have to take a page out of Michigan's playbook and just try to count the ball, right? They have rising field 15, 20 times and they just run the ball as often as they can and see if that works. And if it does work, I think Utah has a good chance to win. If Utah can't run the ball, then we're talking about big problems. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olson and Scotty G every day from noon to three on 975-1280 the zone. Powered by KSLsports.com.
2: DJ PK at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Hot text or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR at 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.UtahHairMD.com. How hot are the Jazz? question of the morning after the Jazz blow out the Timberwolves in the third quarter early in the fourth end up winning by 32 that's five straight wins Tony says they're playing better but I'd imagine if they would stop giving up 12 point or more runs in every game they'd be at the Suns and Warriors level okay
1: but I can argue the Suns haven't had a uh, little bit of a slump and the Jazz have and the Suns are going to everyone does and the Jazz couldn't make shots earlier. But it was only a matter of time before they got it going. And they play a beautifully aesthetically beautiful brand of basketball when they move the ball like that. You know, I hate the one-on-ones and the isolation and all that. We don't see that as much anymore with the rules and all that. But the Jazz seem to be one of the better teams with the ball movement. And it's fun to watch. And you know, The dunks are nice and all, but I like a swish, too. I like a smooth stroke that's online and it just goes right in the basket that's something that I enjoy and this team has a lot of players capable of doing that and when they're clicking most of them and we need all of them but most of them like Rudy Gay wasn't clicking uh, last night his shot wasn't falling as much and that's fine that's even better because have a couple guys who aren't shooting well and you still win uh, because then he'll make it as we saw and we've seen him go on a little bit of a tear himself so the, these guys, they have the opportunity to be the best offense in the league. You know, if they could only pick up Steph Curry, look out. <laughs> <laughs> Waiver wire in a
2: surprise move today.
1: <laughs> I mean, they, I'm not going to put their shooters on his level because I don't think anybody's, anybody's ever, on his level. He's yeah. on his own level. And he's fun to watch for sure. Uh, but the rest of them, man, I'll put them on anybody's level. And collectively, and Mitchell's got it going on, which you, you know they will. The, the talent is there, and talent is what it's about. Ultimately, it's about talent. Whittingham has drilled that into our brains a thousand times over with the recruiting. And there's more to it than that, but they've got to have the talent. And these guys got the talent, particularly offensively, to really have so much firepower. And we're seeing it be displayed.
2: How hot are the Jazz? Eldon says it won't matter until the playoffs. It matters a little bit. What? You're not going to turn it on and come out of nowhere in the playoffs. Not in this week. But you, you do have to be hot in the playoffs. And you can have a great regular season and then go down in the second round like the Jazz did last year. And we can list a bunch of other teams. I don't know that they have that to be have hot that. in the playoffs. I think they have to play to the level of their ability.
1: Which I guess then you could say is hot. They play to the level of their ability. What we've seen, not just a time or two, not during just a, you know, a little mini streak or even a good streak. It's what their level of talent is. And each of these guys, because they're a veteran laden team, for sure. And each of these guys has proven over a good span of time that what their level of ability is. So I wouldn't say necessarily that they have to be hot because to me hot implies man you just can't miss it's your day it's your night if you've played any level of basketball you even even at the sl- the lowest levels you felt it I mean even in pickup you felt man I am on tonight and it it is just really happening for me uh, I mean I played a ton of pickup in my day uh, and you you just know whatever for whatever reason man it's just dropping. I don't think they need that to win. I think they need that to play to their level, to play to their level of, of their abilities that they're capable of playing, and then we'll see. And I think they can win. The thing about it is that because whoever just said that, that, well, we won't really know till the playoffs, that tells us that you're
2: a really good team. Because if you're not really good, we'll know that before the playoffs.
1: Yeah, there's just a few teams that their seasons will be defined by what happens in the playoffs. You look at Memphis last year and their coach when they got beat, he was ecstatic. They had
2: made significant progress. Their season was already defined. Yeah. and Could have been redefined to a higher level had they beaten the Jazz. But, but that wasn't going to happen. But they had made significant progress. Right, right. Getting into the, into the little, uh, what do we call that mini-playoff? Getting into that and then prevailing play in? there. Yeah, the play-in, that, that was a big deal for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they competed well against the Jazz and took a ball game and competed well in the other games. And so that, no one's going to say, man, the Memphis Grizzlies, their season is going to be defined by the playoffs. And if Denver doesn't get healthy, no one's going to say that about them. And if Clippers don't get healthy, basically four teams, and one might not even be justified because we're just putting the Lakers there because they're old and they're expected to be for some reason. I don't know why. But that's the label of expecta- expectation that LeBron is going to have. He's playing for history. Uh, and to what level, to the degree of history when it's said and done, then we'll know. And LeBron fans will say he's the best and the Jordan fans will say he's the best and whatever and the rest of us will move on. Yeah, and then we'll I I don't end up I don't think I'll say he's the best but I have no problem saying he's one of the best there's just no doubt about that. He's in top 2 or 3. Yeah, I mean he's in, he's absolutely sensational. But they get put on that. I don't know that collectively this group of Lakers belongs at that in that category, but the other 3 do and that's the Suns, the Warriors and the Jazz.
2: DJ and PK, Mike Smith is coming up next. Utah Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He'll join us on the other side of this break. Chris Hill, former Ute Athletic Director in studio to talk about the 30-year climb that the Utes made that has landed them in the Rose Bowl. Chris is coming up at 8.30. Stay with us.